love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and I'm joined here by Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, there was a big weekend of racing last week. The 70.3 World Championships happened in St. George, Utah. Have you checked your picks? Did we win or did our last week's guest, Emily Cox, did she win? Have you checked? Haley, I think that we both were beat by Emily's picks. <laughs> the figures. That's usually the case. Whenever we do these preview shows and we have a guest on as an expert, and then we'll all make our picks for who we think is going to hit first, second, and third in the women's field. And I feel like 100% of the time, our guest picks better than us. I'm not sure what that that's says good, about right? us. That's good, right? Then we're, we're, we're bringing on the more educated opinions. This I is guess, why we more... have guests. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So um, I did. Yeah, you're right. Emily had picked Lucy Charles Barclay for the win, which congratulations, Lucy Charles Barclay. You did win in dominating fashion by eight minutes. Emily picked Emma Pallant Brown for second and Taylor Nib for third. So spoiler alert, actual podium was Lucy Charles Barclay in first, Jeannie Metzler in second and Taylor Nib in third. So congratulations, Emily. You win the Iron Women podcast. You pick them versus me and Alyssa. <laughs> I'm not sure what the prize is. Do we have a prize for Emily? Um, Emily, your, your prize two out of three, two out of three in the correct order. I'm just so impressed. But again, that's why we have Emily on as an expert. So thanks. Thanks again. But for anyone who didn't listen to that preview show, I mean, the race happened. It was incredible. Did you watch it, Alyssa? Haley, I did. I caught most of it. I did not get to see some of the exciting parts at the very end because I did go out on my bicycle, um, to catch a good weather window of riding, but, um, I did get to see a lot of the swim and the bike, and I have to give a shout out to Dee Dee Griesbauer here, who was on commentating duties for Iron Man Now, or the the show that it was broadcast on on Facebook, and Dee Dee, you did an amazing job. I don't, I think the women's race, Haley, we've kind of mentioned this, was the more exciting race of the day anyway, but I did feel like coverage was super fair, constantly bringing attention to things, movement in the women's field, things going on, you know, um, some interesting stories and kind of backstories about some of the women out there. And I, I did enjoy kind of, you know, watching that coverage through the morning. Yes. I, um, you know, I, I, I set up the trainer. I was not going outside and missing a minute of that. And I was doing like a pretty easy ride, aerobic ride on the trainer. And I honestly, it was my best easy ride I've had in like months. I mean, I just was like nailing my easy ride. I mean, I I had like a couple like very short, hard efforts and they just felt the best ever. I was so inspired. So thank you to all the competitors for inspiring me through my easy ride and just giving me this incredible entertainment. I had so much fun watching. I, I did watch, you know, that run and it was, it was incredibly exciting. Again, we, we mentioned the podium, Lucy, Jeannie, Taylor, and and spoiler, another spoiler. I'm giving all the spoilers of things that have already happened, but this is coming up. Jeannie Metzler is our guest on the show today, second place finisher. So you have that to look forward to, but um, I feel like we should list out the names after that. So Kat Matthews, fourth place from Great Britain. Emma Pellant-Brown uh, ended up fifth, also from Great Britain. Sky Monch, second American, sixth. Jackie Herring, another American right after her. Holly Lawrence, continuing the Great Britain... Um, <laughs> like domination. Nikki Bartlett, another British athlete right after her and um, 10th place and Reichman from Germany. So definitely, I mean, wait, this is all, wait. So like the top nine is all Great Britain or the U S <laughs> I don't think I realized I that until I just looked at this list of names. But I guess that is the nature of the world we're living in right now too, probably. Right. So I do, you know, not that anyone needs an asterisk there, but in terms of Australian athletes are, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know where the, where were like the, well, Danielle, right? we had Annie Hall racing in, in Roth. Um, so, you know, and I don't Reich- know. And Reichman, she was 10th and she's German and Danielle Reef was 11th. That was a surprise, uh, surprise to us that she raced again. Um, I have, we hadn't heard back from her. We recorded our preview show and then she did race because, uh, Danielle Reef, who was defending champion, 
you know, she uh, had um, raced Ironman Switzerland two weeks before, had an incredible race in Switzerland. I was surprised to see her on the start line. She she put in a ch- charge on the bike and then just seemed to fade a little bit, which um, I have raced an iron, a half a half Ironman two weeks after an Ironman. And my race went about like that, but on a, yeah, you can more, on a more Haley Chris scale. <laughs> I didn't end up 11th in the world in that second one, but... I was tired. The last, the run, there is, I suffered a bit on the run. <laughs> when I saw that she posted she was in St. George, I was like, oh, Daniela, couldn't you have just posted a little bit, like given us a little hint a week ago to let us know that you were there? Because, but again, um, ultimately, I guess it, it probably only helped me with my picks that I, that I didn't think she would be racing, but um, it, it was fun to watch her there. She's a great woman to watch race. Like she's, she's going to give everything she has on the day and she's going to go for it. And it's, it is like heart wrenching to watch, you know, when the day's not going for someone that you enjoy racing and want to see in the mix. And, um, but you could, you could tell she gave what she had. And then it's, it's kind of fun to see some new names in that top 10 and to see other people mixing it up now. Yes, I agree. Um, congratulations to, to everyone who raced. We will talk to Jeannie about it more in depth later and the weather and, um, which we also did not predict correctly. <laughs> well, we were, we talked about how it was going to be so hot. It was not, it was very stormy. And, um, but I will not, I do, do not take any credit for weather predictions. My meteorology, um, degree is very, very far from finished. I didn't even ever get started. <laughs> so. I know I talked to, I was talking to Hillary, my coach who was out there supporting some of her athletes we had racing. Um, and, I was like, oh, how's, you know, how's it going with the spectating? And she's like, well, I'm currently holding um, a barrier in place so that it doesn't blow into the cyclists. So it's going, it's going great. There's a squall. (laughs) Um, And I was like, wait, what? So I do think there, you know, for those who, who finished on the day, definitely pat on the back. seems like regardless, like St. George on a perfect day is going to be really hard, but it definitely sounds like it threw a lot of challenges at people. So um, to everyone who persevered, congratulations. Yes. And Alyssa, you were on vacation last week and how did it go? Was, uh, you were in the boundary waters canoeing, if I have that right in Minnesota. Do I have that right? Yes. And I want to say two weeks ago or last week, I said I was going to the boundary waters canoe area, which I think I called a national park and you guys, it's a national forest. I realized as I was traveling out there. So there is a big distinction between those two, but, um, I went to the boundary waters. It's in the Northern part of Minnesota. It's not super easy to get to. So we chose to fly into Minneapolis and then drive about four hours to the town of Ely and stay there before heading into the boundary waters. We had an outfitter lined up to kind of give us some canoes and life jackets and paddles and things like that. And Haley, this was like the most vacation on one hand it was like the most vacationy vacation i've ever done but on another hand it was also like definitely still an active vacation so on the the part of it being super vacationy was that you are unplugged when you were there so no cell phone well i didn't take my phone off of airplane mode but i'm assuming there was no cell phone service to be had because you're in the middle of like of the wilderness um and we we had 5 days out there and we kind of got out there midday Sunday through midday Thursday. And um, so I guess that's like four full days. But um, we had about a 45, 50 mile route planned. And that means it was a lot of paddling. And so that route includes about four miles of portaging, which is like when you're getting out of the canoes and carrying all of your stuff between the lakes. And then the lakes kind of are totaling to that 45 or so mileage. And so Haley, I had only been in a canoe one other time in my life, I realized. So this was all pretty much brand new to me. And canoeing is hard. Canoeing is very different than running, biking, and swimming. And it, I feel like I could be, like, I walked out of the Boundary Waters on Thursday feeling like I could win a Russian twist competition because my core muscles were like, had to be better than they were when I went in. Um... But it was, it was really nice. It was just, so that was that, that's the active part. Like it was not necessarily super relaxing during the days because we did spend like four to six hours a day paddling and portaging our stuff, which and then you're was really cool. Camping we were, in between, is that? Yeah. Yeah. And so you camp um, and they have designated campsites there that have like a little fire pit. The, we couldn't have campfires because of the fire ban right now. 
um, but they have a little like cooking area, tent site, and a privy. So you at least have somewhere to go like that's designated to poop in the woods, which is, which is nice in the campsite. So that's not like spread all over. It's in like one spot. So that actually is like a huge perk of this, of going to a national forest that has this. So, um, for other people who frequent camping, you will, you will know what I mean for that. But Haley, so the first day, like Sunday, we spent a long time paddling out and then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we saw like a total of five or six people, I think, in those three days outside of our group of four. So, I mean, we were out there. And, like, when we saw someone, it was, like, from afar. Um, It wasn't like we were really crossing paths with people. So it was super relaxing, very easy to unplug and really, like, do the tasks of the day because you have to paddle, you have to portage, you have to set up camp and, like, do all of that. So, um, and then, you know, we played a lot of cards to to kill time in the in the evenings and stuff like that. But for, I would absolutely re- recommend it as a vacation for people or a trip, like an adventure trip for people. We definitely need to get more women out there. There were a lot of dudes that we did see on like the beginning and the end when we were kind of crossing paths with more people. So more women need to be out there. And I like, um, I think one of the barriers for it might be the navigation sense. So you definitely need to know how to use a map and compass because Haley, there's like, I thought there would be a few signs out there, like you are here kind of thing. There are no signs to indicate where you are. And the campsites are, you know, you know you're at a campsite because you can see the grate and you can find the privy, but you, it's not like marked, like this is campsite 10 if you come across it or something. And then you'd find 10 on your map, like none of that. You just really have to know the map and compass where you are. So, um, but if you can do that, then you get to explore this like really vast wilderness area that our country has. And it's, it was super cool. I'm really glad I, I took the trip. Cool. Well, um, my week was, was slightly different. I was, um, I got my new bike, which was quite exciting. So, yeah. I'm dying to ask. I know last week I didn't ask too many details. So this week we have to hear all of the details, including the super important ones. Like please tell us what kind of bike it is and also what color it is. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I know I need, hopefully by the time this podcast has posed, has come out, I've posted photos because I, um, it is hard to get bike parts right now. I'm sure everyone knows this. So this has been a long process. I'm very thankful for Josh Sutton of Output Speed Lab in um, Portland who helped me kind of source some of the parts that I was looking for. And, um, and also housed me, him and Fiona Moriarty, who is a pro triathlete. I actually, <laughs> I met them for the first time in person at the start line in Coeur d'Alene. <laughs> and then surprise, like two months later, I'm staying in their house. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what happens, folks. Be careful if you say hello to me at the start line. But um, anyway, they were super nice, but it's taken a long time. This was supposed to be my Kona bike. Um, a little bit, it has been a little bit more challenging than I expected. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm not super sad. Kona isn't happening in two and a half weeks because I have not even ridden it yet, but it's a, it's a Quintana Roo, um, PR 62 So it's their newer frame and it is, it is still green and yellow. It's the same color scheme as my old bike because I could not, I couldn't, I couldn't change. I have to stick with my dynamo roots. Um, I, I ride a green and yellow bike for dynamo multi-sport, which is the club that got me started in Atlanta and, I definitely know I wouldn't be where I am in the sport without them. And I do still coach through Dynamo Multisport. So Dynamo Multisport Pride, um, green and yellow, it's, it, has to, it has to stay that way. Because also, no, would you, anyone even recognize me on course if I didn't ride a green and yellow bike? I don't think so. So it's same. Well, and Smash Fest Queen would have to totally <laughs> revamp their Haley kits that they have planned. Exactly. So, it matches yeah, my no, kit. I agree. Green and yellow is the way to go. But yeah. I have too many things matching these days. So, um, but I did go with, this is my first time with electronic shifting. I went with this Ram Axis, like one by, uh, which is incredibly fancy. And my good friend, Betty Janelle, who is friend of the podcast, um, she, I, I was getting very frustrated with how difficult this has been. And she told me that, you know, upgrading from mechanical, cause I've never had electronic shifting, upgrading from mechanical to electronic shifting. She described it as going from dial up to Wi-Fi, which I was like, oh, that's, that's quite a jump. <laughs> so I've been living in a dial up world. And again, I've only written it on the trainer during the fit. And it was, I mean, I, it is probably, I was like, oh my goodness. Like I probably should have done this years ago, but again, this is expensive. It's expensive, you know, even with, a, uh, I, I don't have a component sponsor, so I'm, I'm buying all of these parts and, um, 
And so uh, that's been one of the reasons I haven't upgraded. And so then um, I also did went with the disc brakes because that's the new Quintana Roo PR6 to um, I think they have a rim brake mo- model. But the pro- thing with the disc brakes is then you get the built in hydration unit. And so I was like, oh, I, I really that I do want that. It looks cool. And, you know, I do need water and fluids and noon. I mean, it's a great place to put my noon. Um, and so that was kind of what I went for there. But that also meant I had to get new wheels, which I went with head wheels. So I got head training wheels and some race wheels, which I am very excited to try out on the road. Um, and head has been, uh, a guest on our podcast and I'm a fan of her and her company and her story. And that's one of my favorite interviews I think that we've done, um, years and years ago. And so I'm, I'm super excited to be riding head wheels. And then I also went with tubeless wheels, which is, this is like tubeless tires, not tubeless wheels, tubeless tires. So I have no tubes and I'm like putting sealant in and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I mean, Josh was very patient. He's teaching me a lot of things. And, um, and it was definitely, uh, I'm like, can I handle some of these like advances in technology? And like, can I still do the bike maintenance that I need to be able to do? And I'm feeling confident. I am feeling really confident. I think he's a good teacher. And, um, and then it was fun. I got to do some training with Fiona while, while, uh, while I was there and she's training for Ironman Florida. So we're at quite different times in our, our training. <laughs> I didn't do some of her rides and runs. I was like, no, you're on your own. I'll like, I'll cheer you on, <laughs> but on the trainer, but, um, I'm like, oh, your dog needs a walk. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to train with him. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, I had a great time in Portland, got to see, uh, you know, swim, bike and run around Portland, which was it's a place I haven't really ever been. And the weather was fantastic. The training was fantastic. The food was fantastic. And, oh, this was the kicker. I was only supposed to be there two nights and I ended up staying, I think five or six, <laughs> which everyone loves that kind of house guest, right? <laughs> We were waiting on a FedEx package. It was uh, my STEM. We were waiting on the FedEx package and it was definitely, I, I didn't, I have never realized how stressful it is to stock a FedEx delivery. And I was like, it was like on the truck one day and then they took it back to the facility and then it was on the truck the next day. And I was oh, like no. calling and I was like, how, how, what do I need to do? Like who needs money? I'm like, this is affecting my travel plans. I am staying in these very patient and kind people's homes, but they, again, they, they, I don't think they anticipated a week long house guest, but, um, anyway, it was fun. I just, yeah, it was, it, it ended now that I'm home and I'm not like bothering anyone anymore. <laughs> It's great. But thank you, Fiona and Josh. Um, and Alyssa, I heard some really, really good stories from Fiona, and we're going to have to have her on the podcast sometime soon. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's, I mean, you know, we can um, we can repay with podcasting <laughs> for your time spent at the house. I mean, it seems like an even deal to me. I'm sure Do more work for us. <laughs> Come on the podcast. That's like how you can uh, help us out even more. But no, she's She's quite the storyteller. I I did not know this again um, and before I went there. And that's one of the nice things about staying in someone's house that many, that for that long. I quite the story. I, I can't even like, I like have been thinking about some of the stories she tell. And I'm like, how do we do give this justice on the podcast? So we'll figure that one out. Ooh, I can't wait. Yeah. Okay. This will be good. This will be great. Um, well, Haley, we do have some mailbags that came in. So a reminder to our listeners, you can always send mailbag questions into ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com and you can send your questions or you can just be a little bird and let us know a shout out that we need to give and we got one of those this week so we want to give a huge belated now but bear with us people happy 40th birthday to sarah byers who's a longtime listener and member of the feisty team sarah you also we found out competed at the 70.3 world championships um saturday in st george looks like you did awesome we are super happy to have you as part of the community and wish you like a really happy birthday we hope it was great Yay! what a fun way to celebrate with um a race i've done that i have done that before it's a it's a good celebration because it's like everyone's partying afterwards <laughs> yeah <laughs> everyone come to my party sign up for yes. this race and so we did get an actual mailbag question in as well Haley so this question comes from Aurora and Aurora is training for Israman in Israel this winter which is super cool I that's like definitely one that I hope to get to one of these years and the bike course is notorious for high winds on the 
2,800 meter Ooh. climb. So that's a big climb and that's a high winds on a climb. So she is wondering any tips on how to train for the high winds, especially when you're going uphill, I'm like any other high wind tips for the runner? Doing the swim? math. So this is like a nine thousand, eight to 9,000 foot climb. I don't think I ever realized that. That's a lot. I mean, that's yeah, like, that's like usually you have to go to like Hawaii hill. for that kind of thing hill. to be like going up for that long, right? Like Haleakala, what is that yeah. like in Maui? It's like 12,000. You have to like go from like sea level to like high altitude. But anyway. What's Mount Lemon? What's Mount Lemon? Mount Lemon's It's like two, it's lot. like five. I think it's 2,000 to 7,000? Yeah. Ish, maybe. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm a lemon and a half. Yeah. No sweat, Aurora. You've got yes. this. This is like no sweat. So we, first of all, we'll also cross our fingers for you that maybe this could be a tailwind on that huge climb. And then in which case you don't need any tips and you just will enjoy. Yes. The nice, the nice I'm climbing. trying to think of like climbing like Javi in Hawaii, which is not, not that long, but it is very, very windy. And so Javi is, I mean, if you have a headwind on the uphill, you're just going to go slower. Like, I think that that's actually like, it's, you know, just put it in the easy gear. You are making forward progress, even if you don't feel like it and it's hitting everyone. Um, if it's crosswinds, then again, if you're going uphill and you have crosswinds, then, um, I mean, it's still a little bit scary, but you're, you're going slower again. And so the chances of you getting blown off your bike, I think are a little bit less and it's just, you are a little bit more stable. And if you did fall over, you're going pretty slow. You're probably going to be okay. So that's what I tell myself anyway. Um, I would say like a lot of the times in crosswinds, the, um, like the initial reaction is to like sit up and sit back. And that's actually not what you want to do. You want to keep some weight on the front, on that front wheel so that the crosswind catches the front wheel. There's weight on it, which will keep it sturdier. Your, you know, derriere, your butt is on the rear wheel. So there's already a lot, quite a bit of weight on the rear wheel for anyone. You know, most of your body weight is going to be on that rear wheel. So chances are the rear wheel is fine. It's just keeping some of that um, weight distributed to the front so that you're not like making a sail and, you know, having the wind, um, pick up your front wheel. And I think too, along with that, like keep the weight on your front wheel and then just stay relaxed. And like, you're, you're never going to, you don't want to be so rigid and so focused on putting weight down that you don't move with the wind. Like you, you're going to move a little bit with the wind. So try and stay relaxed and kind of just accept that that's going to happen a little bit. Um, and, you know, you are going to like use the weight on the front wheel to be correcting for that and kind of accommodating that through. But I think it's when, when people really worry and, and they either sit up or like, even I've seen people get low, but then have that like death grip on the front wheel so that it like is so rigid. And that's just one, you're wasting a ton of energy if you're like really hanging on like that. Um, and then two, like it's you know, letting the bike kind of do what it's supposed to, I think is, is a little bit helpful, um, when you're in that situation. So hopefully you maybe live in a windy place. You can kind of practice a little bit. Practice goes a long way, especially for like crosswind situations and things like that. Um, just getting used to it because I, I do think it's something you can get used to and kind of just get better at the feel of it. Um, and then I agree with Haley, like a headwind on the uphill, like, oof, you're just going to go a little slower. So, um, I like to settle in. I actually am someone who climbs a lot standing up and like out of the saddle and probably not something I do too much of though when I am in a headwind situation on a climb. Um, just trying to stay a little bit smaller if I can, maybe build a little bit. You can, you know, with time, I think is romance in January. So you'd have time to maybe do some like big gear um, in your aero bars types of things and build some strength there. So if you have a headwind on the climb, you're like comfortable doing a little bit of time in your aero bars and just staying kind of, you know, as small as you can and, and things like that, that, that does help obviously with, with a wind situation to be still as aerodynamic as you can. Yeah. And sometimes during the race, I'm thinking about this, like you can sometimes watch the people in front of you if there's like gusts coming and you'll, they'll like a lot of times it has to do with topography, right? So if they're a little bit ahead and, you know, there's a cutout in the hill or something. Um, you'll see the wind hit them and you can kind of anticipate it a little bit. So it gives you a little bit of a heads up. Sometimes that works, but if it's a headwind, it's hitting everyone, carry more snacks so that, you know, you, can, yeah. you might be out there longer. 
Yeah. And what about the swim, Haley? So wind can make it swim super choppy. So, um, yeah, I keeping a high cadence is something I would maybe work on. Um, and I would also, I would also make sure I'm more comfortable than ever maybe breathing to both sides. That's not something I love to do. So I would probably practice my like right side breathing a bit more because of choppy water. I have to do that bilateral breathing a bit more than I would prefer to in a race. Um, what else could happen in a choppy swim? Yeah. So I think training for a choppy swim, I always suggest people do, um, strength kind of swimming, which like, uh, I use, I swim with paddles, you know, fair amount. Like I'm talking maybe a thousand out of your, um, you know, your thousand meters out of your swim. You don't want to do too much because you don't want to put too much pressure on your shoulders, but, um, using paddles during training without a pull buoy. So kicking and just like really thinking of it as specific strength work, like using your lats. And, um, it's almost like, it's like lifting weights in the water. And so that kind of thing. I know that years ago we had Russell Mark from USA swimming on to talk to us about using a band and as a strength, uh, exercise and, um, you know, he said like, you know, think about when you use a band, like you are doing strength work. If you put a band around your ankles and swim with that, like it is like strength work and you can do that with paddles without, um, and, and again, be careful if you've never done any of these things, like start with a 25, um, you know, or a couple 25s with plenty of rest and maybe work up to, to doing longer distances. But sometimes it's like, if you're consistent and you just do a little bit, um, with ample recovery in between, like you will build some of those, that specific strength that will help you when, when the swim is choppier and similar with that, like similar with the bike, like some of it is psychological. Like you just have to like, you will feel like you're not making forward progress, but you probably are, you probably are. And so it is just understanding going into the race, knowing this probably isn't going to be a swim PR and that's okay. Cause you're here for the challenge. And so um, knowing that you're going to be out there a little bit longer. So fuel up before and, um, and just know every stroke. I mean, I'll tell that to myself, like when I was in Shamarin, um, the swim was pretty choppy and I was like, okay, every stroke gets you a little bit closer, even if it doesn't feel that way. And I think that advice just carries over really well to the run for a windy run. Like every step, if you're in a major headwind, like it does, it stinks, it slows you down and it makes it feel harder and makes you feel like you're not going anywhere. And it's just like, okay, one step at a time, like forward progress type of thing. Um, I think we also can like think about wind on the run in terms of like very similar to if it was a really hilly course. So I would encourage you to listen to that interview we have coming up with Jeannie, where she gives some tips about like, you know, how she approached the the hilly run in St. George and kind of thinking about it that way. Um, and again, I think Haley and I will keep our fingers crossed that for as much as you get a headwind uh, on this course in Israman, you, you might also get a tailwind and then that's super fun um, as well. So hopefully, hopefully it'll work both ways for you. Yes. Thank you for the question. And if anyone else has any questions, you can always write in um, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Haley, we have some exciting live feisty things happening. Uh, first, not um, not super urgent, but tomorrow. So this podcast will be coming out on Thursday. So if you're listening to it on Thursday or Friday morning or midday, you are in luck because you can still catch the menopause summit. The feisty menopause summit has an opening keynote by Rebecca Rush, and this is going to be broadcast live for everyone. So whether or not you've uh, got a ticket to the virtual menopause summit. Um, you'll be able to watch this opening keynote. Um, and I'm sure you won't want to miss Rebecca rush. So this is going to be Friday, 4:30 Pacific, 7:30 Eastern. It's going to be broadcast live on the live feisty YouTube channel and the feisty menopause Facebook page. So tune in for that. That's going to be a really, really great talk. I'm sure. Yeah. Friday, September 23rd. I do think that I think you can watch the replay if you're listening to this after the 23rd or if, um, you know, those times don't work for you, but definitely, I think Celine Yeager from the hit play, not pause, um, uh, podcast is part of that as well. And she's been a guest on the show. So, and Rebecca rush, queen of pain, mountain biker extraordinaire. She definitely someone, um, that is, uh, she, she would, be a great, great person to hear speak. So tune into that. And of course we have another week of the outspoken summit awards. You can still send your nominations in, go to outspokensummit.com, nominate your favorites for all of the awards. And then, um, yeah, it closes in a week. 
So you got to get it done yeah. this month, everyone. I know. Keep, put it at the top of your to-do list. Um, not much time to wait. You do not want to be um, out there at 11 p.m. on the 30th with Haley. <laughs> so um, athlete of the year, coach of the year, race director of the year, outspoken woman of the year, media contributions of the year. Uh, you know you have women in your life that you want to nominate and they can't win unless you nominate them. So And don't count on someone else doing it. You want to see these, these important women recognized. Um, OutspokenSummit.com. And now we are actually at the interview portion of our show. Alyssa, are you excited? I'm so excited. Tell me, tell me more. This is a very fresh one, but Jeannie Metzler, we mentioned her earlier because she had a incredible race at the 70.3 World Championships in St. George this past weekend. And she finished second. It was it was just an incredibly well-executed race by her. And it came down to the final miles of the run. She made the pass on American Taylor Nib, um, they are training partners and they have a pretty special relationship. And, uh, and so it was like in those final miles, Jeannie made this pass and, um, Taylor tried to hang on. And I think Jeannie opened a 10 second gap and held on for second place. And this is, you know, I think Jeannie's best finish at a world championship race or, or any championship race. And so it has been a long time coming for her. So we, we talked to Jeannie about, how the race went down, what was going through her head, how she manages to race so well on that course in St. George. Um, just like how she and Taylor, their, their dynamic on and off the race course and much, much more. So we'll have that conversation with Jeannie right after the break. Hey everyone. This is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to OutspokenSummit.com. We hope to see you there. Haley, it's summertime and racing and traveling is back. Hot temps, race recovery, and mountain adventures is the recipe of my summer, and I am always carrying Noon Instant in my water bottle, hydration pack, and post-race clothes bag. Alyssa, I'm with you, and I'm using Noon Instant as a way to keep reminding my taste buds that we have a little appointment on the Big Island in October that is sure to need all the replenishment of electrolytes, vitamins, and minerals that we can get. You can get your own Noon Instant, Noon Sport, or any of the Noon Hydration Podium Series products at NoonLife.com and use the code LiveFeisty for 30% off. That's NoonLife.com with code LiveFeisty, capital L and capital F. The Iron Women podcast is grateful to Zelio Skincare for their continued support of the podcast. I'm always excited when I start pulling out the Zelio Sun Barrier more and more because that's a sure sign races are around the corner. And I'm going to be happier than ever using my Zelio's Race Relief Cold Therapy Muscle Gel because it means I actually got to do an in-person race this year. You can get your own Zelio Sun Barrier Race Relief Shower Products and Chamois Cream for 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com. Hi, Jeannie. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Should I say like world championship runner-up Jeannie Metzler, welcome to the Iron Women podcast. How are you doing? I am good, thanks. Um, yeah, I'm really stoked to to be here. So thanks for having me. Yes. And we're talking to you just a few days after you did get that second place finish at the Ironman 70.3 world championships in St. George. Have you had a chance to celebrate your incredible race? Uh, like I wouldn't say a big celebration just yet. Um, I just got back, um, home last night, so I'm feeling pretty tired. Um, I think I'll, I'll do something this weekend with my in-laws and my mom is actually here from South Africa. So we'll do a little get together and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a partier, <laughs> but, um, I'll do something low key with my, my family. That's, that's what I like to do. So, Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm sure we have some listeners out there wishing you had like talked about how partying your way to the podium was some part of your secret to success, but no surprise, I guess, to hear that it, it probably wasn't. But um, Jeannie, we want to talk to you obviously about the race a little bit. It seemed like you had a really solid day all around, but your run and that late pass of American Taylor Nib, it was super exciting for those of us who were spectating. So what was going through your head during those final miles of the run? Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure anyone who watched the race could tell just how brutal that course was. And anyone who did the race, I'm sure they still saw because my legs are. Um, yeah, it, w- what an incredible day. I mean, I don't even know where to start. It's like um, I got onto the run and um, I got out with a few women. And you just never know how your run legs are going to be after such a hard bike, um, especially after Snow Canyon. And then this weird storm hit St. George. It was like crazy thunder and wind, which was pretty weird, but I've never had that in St. George. And the first few miles was like this headwind. And I was actually running with Emma Palance at that point. Um, And yeah, I guess my goal for this run was to try and negative split it. You always want to do that in your head, but just how the dynamic played out, I kind of had to go a little harder in the beginning part of the run. Um, And then once I saw Taylor, I was chasing her for quite a a long time and um, I've raced her before and Taylor's just incredibly tough and she, she doesn't give you an inch. And um, I knew that. Um, So I think at the, the latter part of the run, it was survival mode and I was just trying my best to catch her and um, at the top of the hill with um, about three or four miles to go she actually had to go to the portaloo um, so that was my moment where um, I could actually just uh, put in a, a bit of a surge because she still came up right behind me and the gap was still pretty close at that point so I just had to I know this is a long <laughs> long answer to your question but yeah it was survival mode there at the end (laughs) we are hanging on every word so you could see taylor and you saw her go into the porta potty and and then you're like competitive instinct just hit and you were like okay go yes i mean you just never know like i yeah it's just such tight racing and it was a downhill and I was like this I still I need to go I I have to push because I knew Taylor wouldn't give up you know um and I had some people out there on course telling me that you you still got to keep the pressure on because Taylor was right there so um I was able to put in a little surge on that downhill luckily I had I had a downhill to get get some leg speed (laughs) I didn't have much left at that point but um yeah, I just hang on to that gap and um, was able to to beat her. So it was it was pretty fun. <laughs> and you mentioned the storm that came in, and we recorded a preview show last week with Emily Cox, and and we were talking about this forecasted heat, and we were like, oh, I hope the athletes are really you know managing the heat really well and focused on that. So I imagine you were you were kind of thinking the same thing, and so. Uh, did you have any idea that a storm could come in and how did you mentally and physically handle those unexpected weather conditions? Was there any worry that, you know, that like you, that the, the weather was too extreme? I, I mean, I was keeping an eye on the weather all week in the beginning part. I got there on Monday and the race was on Saturday and it was over 100 on Monday through Thursday. So I knew it was crazy warm, but it was dropping off for race day. Um, and then my homestay actually is, was a volunteer and she, she works on the lake in the, in the kayak. So she, she had the lowdown of the weather, which was helpful. And it, they actually predicted rain at 5 a.m. on race morning. That didn't happen, but then they predicted it later in the day. So in my mind on race morning, I was like, oh, like, I think it's going to be fine. There was some cloud cover. But yeah, once we got into the bike, things, uh, you could like kind of feel the weather was changing. Um, But I was so locked in at at that point in racing. You're just so focused on the moment. Um, You don't really think about it. But descending Snow Canyon, you could see the lightning. And in my mind, I was like, are they going to cancel the race? I hope they don't cancel the race. Those were my thoughts. And going onto the run was just crazy. I was just like... 
I, I didn't know what was going to happen because like lightning can be pretty scary. Like I, I, I've had things be canceled because of lightning. So, um, but yep, Utah is a tough place and they just, nothing happened. We all just kept racing. And then I just knew you just got to be tough and carry on. And um, yeah, I didn't really think about it much more after that. <laughs> And Jeannie, we've talked about Taylor. She finished just about 10 seconds behind you and you guys are training partners. And at the finish, you know, if people have checked your Instagram, I think there's a good picture of, of you both at the finish. And, you know, it appears that she's genuinely happy for you, which kind of reminded us of Boulder 70.3 also a month ago when your places were reversed, right? Taylor finished second, you were third in another close finish. So can you tell us a little bit about your relationship and training dynamic that you guys have? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Taylor Nib is just, uh, what an incredible person. She's so kind, so humble. Um, one of the most hardworking people I know, and we just really clicked this year. I have the opportunity to train with her, which is phenomenal. She is, uh, yeah, one of the greatest athletes I've been around. Just she, yeah, the world better watch out for her because she's just, um, she's, she's got what it takes, um, even from the mental side of it. So, um, yeah, we just really great friends and, um, it's, you know, it's not often you get that dynamic where it's super competitive, uh, racing, but off, of course you can be friends with someone. So I'm pretty lucky to, to have that with someone, um, in sport and it makes it extra special, um, that we have the ability to be super tough <laughs> and race each other. And, um, yeah, we can just celebrate together after we're done. So, um, yeah. <laughs> And Jeannie, we've seen you in the top 10 at the 70.3 World Championships before. You finished 8th in Chattanooga in 2017th and 7th in South Africa in 2018. But in 2019, it seemed like you changed your focus a bit. You raced the Ironman distance. You raced in Kona. And I believe you also made some coaching changes. So what went into the decision to focus on the 70.3 distance again this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I did my first Kona and that was a tough experience for me. I didn't really have the race that I wanted due to some of the factors. Just um, I think I had a crash and um, a struggle with concussion and my preparation didn't go as planned. Um, but Kona is a dream that I'm just putting on pause. I, I will definitely be going back there in a few years, but it was actually... Um, when I raced in Daytona last year and Paula Finley won that race and she was just um, talking about how she trains with an ITU coach and I just saw how our racing in the 70.3 distance is getting so fast um, that just kind of sparked a thought in me that like you know I, I'm 29 right now and I do feel like I would like to capitalize on my speed as much as possible before going over to the Ironman distance um, so I made a decision to to change coaches and find a coach here in Boulder that actually is an ITU coach um, and focus a bit more on my speed and the 70.3 and um, I also really love St. George and the course uh, there is just so tough and challenging, which I like. Um, so I thought I'd just give it a go. And I've really been having fun focusing on my speed this year. Is there a chance we could ever see you with ITU distance racing? Or, you know, we know that you did win the PTO sponsored Olympic distance race in Indiana in 2020. So, and I know that Taylor in a post, in her post-race interview, she kind of, you know, gave a little tidbit that she wants to convince you to try shorter races. So, um, if Kona's on pause for a little bit, could we see you doing even shorter stuff than 70.3 coming up? I mean, I, I don't know 100%. It is, I would like to try a short course race just because I'd like to learn the dynamic and more tactics. I feel like that's a part of my racing that I can really, uh, an area I can work on, if you will, um, just because that's not my background. And the way that our racing is going, it's just, it's tighter racing. There's more dynamics going on. And um, I, I think it would be fun to try one out, but I, I definitely would like to take my time and prepare for that because it's the format is very different. And um, I, I don't want to 
to throw myself in the deep end just yet, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I feel like if you hang out with Taylor long enough, you might end up getting persuaded because, you know, we are a, a fan of her here on the Iron Women podcast too, and her yeah. energy is infectious and she does have a way about it that makes it seem like, oh, well, if she's racing six times in six weeks, maybe I can do this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Her her just like take on life is so refreshing and um yeah, it's just, it's great to kind of learn so much from a, a different aspect in sport. Like, it's it's been really fun. Um, I think, yeah, especially Taylor, she's 23 and she's just like, yeah, it's great to just be around that kind of energy. I'm, I'm having fun with it. <laughs> and Jeannie, going back to St. George, you, you've mentioned that you've raced well there before. You were second at the North American Championships there in 2017 and 2018 and earlier this year. And you mentioned it being a tough course. So do you think there's something about that course that brings out your best racing? And I'm along with that, I'm curious if like having that past Ironman experience kind of helps you on a course like St. George. Uh, yeah, I mean, the course in St. George is a strength course. And I, I feel like I am a strength athlete just from like just the way I race. Um, and you've got to be really patient on that course. And I think that's what Ironman te- well, taught me is that like in Ironman racing, you have to be super like within yourself and patient and um I know it's it's super different with 70.3 racing because you do have more dynamic, but I, I feel like I wasn't even patient enough. And um, I think I can still kind of hold back even a bit more. Um, I think that pays off on a course like that, just with with the hills and just knowing knowing yourself and what you're capable of. Because if you go out too hard on that course, you, you could be walking. Like that's just the kind of um, course it is. So for sure, the Ironman taught me how, how patience pay, plays into that kind of uh, race there in St. George. Jeannie, you raced the Collins Cup in Slovakia three weeks prior to the 70.3 World Championships. And if our, you know, for our super fans who are listening, if they were thinking about your race there, there was a time when you were running shoulder to shoulder with Jackie Herring, you faded a little bit, and then there was a late pass by Annie Haug, and you finished in third. But in St. George, you know, if people were kind of thinking about that, there was definitely no fading in your run. If anything, you know, maybe the opposite. So did you change anything between the two races to ensure that like, you know, going in with a negative split mindset that like you wanted to nail it in St. George? Like did anything, I guess, change in how you approached it or, or even in training, did you do anything specific to kind of give you a little boost? I mean, I learned a lot at the Collins Cup, like just running with Jackie. It was almost like I I let her run behind me and I was like the dictator of the pace. Um, which is kind of dangerous. I think I went out way too hard and um, I was trying to drop her too early (laughs) and that that didn't work out for me. So I think I I just learned the lesson of like, okay, if you're going to go out with someone, like you either got to just run at your pace and if they're going to run with you, then okay. But um, you, you just really have to be patient, especially the first three miles. That's just what I learned. So going into St. George, I actually came out of transition with Emma Pallant. Um, and she kind of dropped me a little bit, which was fine because I was like, I just wanted to take out the, the first miles super steady. And then I actually caught back up to her and I ran behind her for a little bit. And then I kind of felt like I could go a little bit harder. And that, and then at that point, I was able to pass her and she didn't come with me. So, um, yeah, it's just great to learn these things. And you only do it by... I don't know, racing and, and going through like the experience at the Collins Cup or even in Boulder earlier this year where I raced um, Taylor and I actually caught her and she repassed me. So <laughs> it's like I've been through those situations where, I mean, it's tough in the moment, but I, yeah, I just took that away and, and, and was able to, to use that experience at the World Championships, which paid off for me on the day. And Jeannie, we always like to offer our listeners uh, a training tip or two. And I know folks would love to hear how you approach training for a hilly run course like you saw in St. George. Can you share any training sessions that you felt specifically prepared you for running up and down those hills? 
Uh, yes, I mean, like it sounds obvious, but to train for hills, you got to do hills. And I've done so much of that just in general this year that like a specific session that my coach made me do um, leading into St. George was we would ride up to like a kind of a, uh, in here in Boulder, it's left hand canyon. So it's very similar to um the run course at St. George, maybe a little bit um, less steep, um, but um, so kind of re- uh, doing hill reps on the bike and then quickly transitioning into a run right off going uphill and downhill. So um, just kind of practicing that um, really helped me. Um, so I would do that for sure, <laughs> especially if you're going to do St. George um, next year it's a great session to do so literally just doing a bike run brick up a, a climb so you're practicing not only riding up and running but also the downhill so yeah and did that allow you to kind of have target like paces in mind for uphill and downhill or were you going more off of effort for what it should feel like you know and and allowing that to kind of average out to the pace it's just I know people always kind of worry on hilly courses or just get super focused on that goal pace that they have, you know, and, um, managing that, did the training sessions help you kind of have a target or were you still able just to go on effort in the race? I think it's, it's mostly about, uh, finding that effort feel rather than pace. I think it's so easy to get caught up in, Oh, I got to go at this pace. But like when it's hilly like that, you really should rather go by pace and feel. And I think just by doing a session like that, you're going to get more of a, a feel for your own body and not only strengthening your legs, right? Especially on the downhill. If you're not used to running, um, down steep, downhills your quads are just like really like you can't handle that so it's just not only strengthening your legs during that session but also getting an understanding though that like okay on a flat road I could run six minute pace but going up a hill it's going to be closer to 620 just for an example and that effort is still the same and then you just you could get it back on the downhill so um, just knowing that in that training session is going to help and letting go of that pace um, is probably wise <laughs> yeah and I think a couple of weeks ago we did have a mailbag question about downhill running and is there are there any techniques that you use or anything you're thinking about while you are running a steep downhill like the one that you had to do twice in St. George yeah I think you just got to do your best to relax in the moment it sounds so weird but like you got to like allow your legs to just like do what they do like it sounds so weird like but you got to try and let go and relax because if you can do that your your footwork or your cadence can just um get a natural flow rather than if you like holding back it's like it's almost like worse (laughs) so I don't know if that makes sense but that's what I try to do I I just remind myself to just relax into it so and Jeannie, it sounds like St. George had a special place in your heart kind of before um, this past weekend, maybe. But are you, you know, now it definitely does, if if nothing else. So are you excited the 70.3 World Championships will be returning to St. George in 2022? Oh, absolutely. I love racing in St. George. I also, yeah, I mentioned my homestay and just, I just have good vibes there. And my mom was able to be there. So it's just, um, it's a really great place. And what an awesome community there in Utah, um, especially St. George. Like, I, I don't know if anyone knows, but there, I think there were 4,000 athletes and I think there were there were 4,000 volunteers. So um, that's just incredible to how the community just comes together. And, um, yeah, the race wouldn't be the same without that support of the actual town. So I, I just love going there and I'm excited to to be back and uh, next year for another another shot. <laughs> well, we are excited to watch you defend that podium position, but we have 12 months to prepare for that. And hopefully you have a lot of time to celebrate with your family. Like you mentioned, your mom in town, that was really sweet seeing you give her a hug at the finish line. I know it was probably very, not easy at all to get from South Africa to Utah these days. So glad she was there to celebrate with you and you have your family in Boulder. And- oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> 
The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on-demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com/ironwomen and get started. Well, congratulations to Jeannie. Really fun to get that insight on how it went down for her on the podium there. And Haley, I have to say that when I got back home from my ride, I was checking in on kind of the final lowdown of the race. I looked at all these times and I was like, man, these women are getting fast these days. (laughs) Like our peers are fast, Haley. It was a super inspiring day to see some of the times that these women are throwing down. Yes. I, um, I mean, I think what Lucy Charles had the fastest swim, the fastest bike and the fastest run, which I don't, that does not happen frequently in the women's race. I mean, that was incredible for her to just like keep, you know, expanding her lead. And I think she ran like a 118 on that course in those, you know, wild conditions. Um, we saw just, I don't know, just incredible, incredible performances. Again, Jeannie just having that, uh, that late pass and Taylor hanging on. I didn't know Taylor had been in the porta potty. And so, you know, it is definitely, uh, this is just the beginning of Taylor nib and it's still, we're fans. We're fa- I'm fans of everyone. And it was, it reminded me of why I'm a fan because it was just such incredible racing. And it, I just loved watching those women put it all out there. And it was really great to see with Kona postponed for a little bit. Uh, that was a fun way, kind of a big bang of a race to get to see and kind of celebrate fitness, I'm sure, for people who are racing and things like that. So really, you know, kudos to everyone out there. And hopefully you're getting some well-deserved downtime and celebrations now. Yes. And Alyssa, hopefully you can um, – do you need some recovery from that vacation? I feel like your vacation was not – it, it might not be exactly what I would do for a vacation. So um, I know you want to get more women out there, but I, maybe not other women. <laughs> but I feel like you might, I would need a vacation from your vacation, but um, but you're probably ready to go again. Yeah, my, my legs and my like mind and heart, like my paddling is very, it's funny because you can try so hard and you're not really ever getting your heart rate up that high. So it's like so different than a rowing machine, even like canoe paddling. You're just, it is burning your muscles that involve the paddling and it's like that's it's so isolated to that it's the craziest thing I've ever done for hours on end in that respect so um it's I don't I don't think I'm like you know I haven't tried to do a pull-up maybe now my pull-up muscles will be like magically stronger than ever and I could just do one unassisted and bust that out but uh like I said I'm pretty sure my core strength is good for a while so I'm not rushing to do that anytime soon but I am happy to be on some dry land and trails longer than 16 rods they measure in rods like the distances of the portages are measured in rods and 320 rods is a mile and like often the the portages were 16 rods or 40 rods right so it's literally you know not far but it's far enough you still have to schlep your 60 pound packs with everyone's gear for that 200 meters or whatever it ends up being so I don't know. I'm, I'm now well versed. Maybe I'll convert some Ironman distances What's, to rod. Is that rod like a? It. Is that like your oar? Like that sounds like it'd be like 300 oars. You think in a it's mile? supposed to be <laughs> the approximate distance of a canoe, which is like 16 or 17 oh. feet, I think. So um, okay, but yeah, I mean, they should have just called it canoes, like 16 canoes across, right, or something like that. Being like a rod just sounds weird, <laughs> right? So I don't know. I didn't. There's even more units of measure. There's always something more. But, um, well, listen, I'm glad you made it back. I'm glad you had a good trip. And I will continue with my 
inspiration and motivation as I get into this new week. But on your new bike, um, I hope you have be a good super, one. That's yeah, like, that's always I'm huge excited. for the inspiration and motivation factor. So we're excited Maybe to see some pics. Yeah. I know. Take some pics. I got to get out for the ride. I think my, again, oh, my cassette, it just arrived today. My new cassette, 12 speed, Mm. 12 speed. I'm like, how do they fix fit 12 in there? I'm like, I'm not that old, but like, like just the bike technology that has changed in the time that I have been riding bikes. I mean, I've, we've gone from 10 to 12. Wow. And electronic shifting Healy. I'm so excited for this like whole new world. I'm not a huge, like bike tech person and but electronic shifting is a it's your I think Betty's analogy of the dial up to wi-fi is pretty spot on it's going to be life-changing for you it just took me five years to save the money for it but you know we tried but anyway I will uh I'll let you know how it goes next week I'll talk to you later Alyssa bye Haley You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.